0: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Bowman, and this is the Opera Glasses Podcast. Today, I am featuring an unsung hero in the opera world, someone with a role that you might not know exists, a professional prompter, someone who sits traditionally in the center of the stage where you can't see them. And they let singers know when to come in, what their next line is, and they keep the show going. Today, we feature Karen Stone. Karen is a graduate of McGill University with flute as her main instrument. She wound up in Germany auditioning on the flute and eventually found herself as an opera prompter. So let's find out how she got here. Karen Stone, welcome to the Opera Glasses podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Before I dive in, I'd like to ask you how you ended up in Germany as a Canadian.
1: I went to McGill University. I trained as a flute player. Um, and I also learned conducting and many different aspects of the music business when I was there. Played in a in the orchestra and then i just wanted to broaden my horizons i wanted to continue studying so i went to london and studied at the um the royal college of music uh there and got another diploma and from there i just thought well germany must be the place to be to get a job in an orchestra playing the flute But, so I had a friend there and I went to to stay with her and started doing the audition circuit, which at that time was extremely difficult because as a foreigner and a woman, you were not given an audition. So it was extremely difficult, but I tried and tried. Then I got a teaching job, um, which I enjoyed very, very much. And um, then moved to Germany, just, well, it was just a coincidence from Switzerland, and uh, then played a lot of concerts, got into teaching, I was at the university. Then my husband moved to Freiburg and I went with him as one does and uh, had no job. And he phoned up one day and he said, well, the prompter has just gone to Berlin. Would you like to apply for the job? I said, sure. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what was involved. I said, I'll do anything and started. And my first piece was Wholesale Cappadilla. Went to a rehearsal, Donald Renicles conducting, I'm sure you know that name. And I thought, gosh, these people need help. And it wasn't just help with their text, they needed help with musical cues. So I just started giving cues where I thought it was right. And they were so, good.
0: so it's. With this job, it's sort of learning by doing, so that's how I got there. So you you landed that job in the end?
1: Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, because good opera prompters are difficult to find, and they still are difficult to find. It's a sort of a, a you know, the sort of cliche of the opera prompter sitting in the box knitting or saying, You know, where are we? And that's um, a cliche we don't like to support.
0: Can you tell me more about what your responsibilities are as a prompter um, during the performance and also before the performance? Well, the rehearsal period starts, and in Germany, we have six weeks of
1: rehearsal, of scenic rehearsal on the rehearsal stage. The singers are supposed to come with their roles learnt. Not and don't And my responsibility is, as the word suggests, to prompt them to remind them you're supposed to be singing now, you're supposed to be singing this. and also to check they're singing the right notes, to make sure they're singing the correct text, to make sure they're pronouncing it pr- properly. We, we do most of the pieces in the original language. So during this six week rehearsal period, I will check all those things. I make lists during every rehearsal of mistakes, which they don't like, Um, but still it's usual to do it. And I generally just bug them until they're singing as well as they possibly can. And that includes the chorus, who will also be at this rehearsal period. And then we go on the stage, have stage rehearsals, then we have rehearsals with the orchestra who join us, and then I'm responsible for being at the performances and making sure that everything goes smoothly.
0: So you reference the fact that uh, the operas are performed in their original languages. Uh, I imagine you must be must be very strong um, with your languages. Are you fluent in Italian and German yeah. and French? Yeah, that was something that interested me and still interests me very much about the
1: job, is is that it brings so many elements together for me that I'm interested in. Obviously, music, score reading, languages. Uh, I have obviously English, German, French, Italian. I've done a lot of Czech and uh, most recently Hungarian, which was a challenge because we did uh, Bluebeard's Castle. But that... Really, for me, is extremely interesting.
0: And when you landed in Germany, were you fluent in German or familiar with German and how much? I was German familiar because I did a course in German
1: at um, McGill as part of my course study. But it was really just basics. And if something like that, you don't learn until you're actually there and having to speak. And when I first went to Switzerland, I spoke French because I was at the conservatory in Geneva. And then I moved to Bern. And I got away with speaking French because Swiss German is a little bit tricky. Um, then I got a job
0: teaching and overnight I sort of did a crash course in German so that I could teach. Do you find that I'm, sh- I'm sure you must find that those who are fluent or at least uh, making an effort to communicate in those languages are better at performing those roles in, in those operas? Or,
1: no, not necessarily, yeah. no, not at all. Um, I find uh, especially a lot of Americans and Canadians are extremely well prepared when they have to sing in foreign languages, and especially uh, Italian. Recently, did the Faust in French, and an American colleague he sang perfectly, perfect French. I think it's a question of training. Interesting,
0: I, I just mm-hmm. feel like the the communication factor when you think of languages and performing in the voice, uh, I just imagine that, of course, singers all have to study the meaning behind all of their translations. And with that knowledge, even if you're not fluent in that language, I imagine the studying helps uh, get the message across. It
1: certainly does. Um, And I noticed that I will have to correct or help Italian speakers with their Italian living making mistakes or French um, and even English colleagues English-speaking colleagues you'll have to correct some vowels or something that's not working or some pronunciation that's not correct I,
0: I imagine vowel modification must must be a big part of your uh, guidance
1: yeah uh, yeah uh, especially for- in French especially in French. and of course like, we do pieces in English where the Germans
0: have a lot of trouble. I think English is a very, very difficult language to sing for foreigners. Whenever I'm studying other languages, I'm always thinking of English and how complicated it is. Sort of words like minute and then minute, and then they're all spelled the same, but completely different meanings. I recently had to coach a Dutch singer. Um, She was doing a
1: Lady in the Dark. I think it's a musical And she wanted coaching in standard American English. And I really had to look it up because I wasn't exactly sure what that was. (laughs) But I think we as Canadians fit into that, that we do speak kind of standard American English. What's
0: something else other than what we've talked about that would surprise an audience member uh, about your role? Everything. Everything. They would be
1: absolutely flabbergasted. Um, because nobody can imagine what's going on down in my little box. I have, if if you could sort of picture sitting in this box, and I have a a music stand, I suppose you could call it, which has two television monitors in it and all kinds of buttons so that I can, if there's a a shot that has to be um, set off, or if there's stage music that has to be started so I can push that um, and help the tone people. So I'm down there with these television monitors so I can see the conductor and see what he intends. And I will give cues, musical cues. I will give text cues. I will give instructions for people who are jumping in to go over to the left or come over here or sit down. I have props in there, which I will hand out to people. If there is a letter involved in the scene, I will have a copy of it because usually it will get lost at some point. And then they'll come over to me and say, give me the letter, and I'll hand them out the letter or um, something like the, the medallion in, in Cosi Fan Tutte always get, got lost. So I would have a second medallion. I have glasses of water. Um, people will come crawling over, and I'll have a straw, and they'll take a, a drink. Um, Kleenexes, which I will hand out, or cough sweets, if somebody's having it. It, it really is quite um, exciting down there and fascinating.
0: Uh, to clarify for people listening, the prompter box um, at the Alto Music Theater is in the center of the stage, um, just behind the, the orchestra pit in front of the conductor's podium i think in most american houses it's in uh the wings the prompter's box am i correct oh, yeah but not that? not
1: not at uh, houses like the met that the prompter's box will be in, in the center of the stage interesting as, as ours. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I mean i'm very familiar with the metropolitan opera my husband works there <laughs> you never so noticed this it is- right this is just indicative of the it's fact so that cute. we, even in the business, are are unaware of this very important role. So now I'm going to go and seek this out. We have big
1: problems in Germany because the modern stage designers and the modern stage directors don't like having a prompter's box. They say it, they just don't like it. it. They say that it destroys their picture that they're trying to present I can understand it but most people like you won't even have noticed it a lot of people say to me where are you sitting I say well in the middle in that box Box. so a lot of them yeah. try to hide it by putting snow fields or seats or something they try to hide it but really people do not even notice it's there
0: yeah, I I've never ever noticed. So, um, thank you for pointing there that you out go. to me. Um <laughs> and that's actually they are working hard. <laughs> that's the reason why I have you on this podcast because it's it's roles like yours that I want to discover and I want to share with um Opera Canada and international listeners alike. What's the most memorable moment from your prompter's box that you've had? I'm sure you've had a, a many of them, so um, hard I to... I've had
1: really... Yeah, I was trying to think, what could I tell you that was the most memorable? I've had memorable um, productions, wonderful pieces like Medea by Raiman, or recently the um, Bluebeard's Castle by Bartok. I've also done fabulous productions, like Barry Klosky's Tristan, um, Unforgettable, Frauen Schatten. Um, those are just uh, productions that I've been involved with that have really meant a lot to me. Um, I was very privileged to have worked for a, n- a number of years with Donald Renikles as uh, my game day, uh, my general music director, and also with Stefan Scholtes, who uh, recently died, and also working with. Uh, Producer like um, John Dew, that was also. But uh, as far as things happening in the box, um, something very memorable was working with um, Marta Myrtle. I don't know if you're too young to know Marta Myrtle. very very famous German um, Wagner soprano. Yeah. No, a well, lot of people. Will, been, a lot of people will know her because she's yeah.
0: extremely famous. I, I know the name. I just don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't Um, have We were doing a modern production with her, and I think
1: she must have been
0: about 80 at the time that she came and
1: was doing this modern music. And of course, she was old. She couldn't remember any of the texts. So they stuck me in a costume. And I went along with her. In fact, I have a photo right here, which I could maybe show you. I don't know if you can see that. Can you see it? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. so I went on the stage with her, dressed as this monk. And every time she wanted a, the text, she would squeeze my arm. And uh, she was she was fabulous. She was just so wonderful. And then we got to the um, dress rehearsal. She squeezed my arm. And uh, I thought, oh, gosh, I've forgotten her text. And I looked to my where's the prompter? The, oh, no, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But uh, that was a that was a great experience. I accompanied her. Also played the harmonium for her during the production on the stage, dressed as this monk. So that was a, a
0: fun experience that I had. Yeah. Wow, uh, that sounds amazing. Are you planning to stay in Essen? Are you obviously this is you've made this your home? I don't actually live in Essen. I live in Dortmund. Ah, yes, um, I thought that that's thirty minutes away or so. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah. Um so um I'm going back to my original life of being a flute player which I'm really enjoying. I have quite a few concerts lined up. Um I have students and um, we do chamber music and um, yeah, I've had a lot of requests, I have to say, from different theaters to come and do productions as a guest. And I have just said no. Because I just want a break. I've been doing this job since 1988. That's when I started. And I just want to do something different for a while. Maybe I'll change my mind. But um, I've just said no to everything so far. And just um, want to do what I want.
0: What would you tell a young artist coming in to Germany? uh, Many young artists from Canada and the United States tend to go to Germany in hopes of getting a FEST contract in order to learn a variety of roles uh, in those houses. What advice would you give them in terms of settling into this new space? Many of them are traveling alone, never having been away from home.
1: I would say be careful. (laughs) Be careful get yourself a good agent who is on your side and get yourself in a good situation in the theater that you're not taken advantage of vocally. Because a lot of young people will just say yes to any role and get themselves in a lot of trouble vocally and maybe personally, I don't know. But um, yeah, I think you just have to go for it and do it,
0: but be careful. Yeah good advice well thank you so much for coming on to this podcast um and Pleasure. sharing this very interesting role with us and i hope to hear you play the flute soon yeah <laughs> thank you very much